Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of Roundabout Sports presented by Interstate 70 Sports Media, where our passion is our profession. I'm the maestro Jeremy Carp. Thank you so much for tuning in this evening, ladies and gentlemen. And alongside me is Joe West's worst nightmare and his future replacement, the one, the only Hollywood James Knox, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, my goodness. I, uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> What's up, Jerry? How, <laughs> How you doing, James? I'm doing well. You caught me off guard with that one. I'm... Oh, you gotta love it. So, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot to talk about this evening. First off, James and I are both repping our Cardinals pride because the St. Louis Cardinals are the National League Central Division champions for the 12th time, which is more than the other teams in the division combined. And... It amazes me because we were literally just talking about this before we went on the air. But when you look at all the teams that are in the National League Central, believe it or not, the team with the third most, the Cardinals have 12, the Cubs have six. The team in third place isn't even in the division anymore. No, they're not even in the National League. They're not even in the National League. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's bad when an American League team has the second most National League Central titles. Um, and then the Reds have three, the Brewers have three, and the Pittsburgh Pirates have jack shit. But that's usually how it's been since the 1970s. Um, so with that, we're also going to be talking about, of course, the big story, which is Albert Pujols becoming a member of the 700 Club. Obviously the one that you'd prefer to be a member of. But the 700 Home Run Club. And as well as the fact that plenty of the audience who was hoping to see that historic moment did not. Yeah, how um, do you like those apples? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jeez. Um, <laughs> not so much on the plus side, I'll tell you that. Ah, look at you. You know, oh, I will say, play. you know, my friend and I were fortunate to listen to number 699 on the radio, and we just missed out on hearing number 700 because of we were watching a uh, high school prep zone on Fox two news right. in St. Louis. And they interrupted it with the announcement that pools hit 700. And my friend looking and I look at each other like, Oh crap. So we, I pull up the audio of camo X on my phone and you know, John Rooney's doing his amazing calls as usual. Um, so massive, first off, massive shout out to John Rooney. Um, and I think it was fitting that Dan McLaughlin was in the booth for that because these two have absolutely been phenomenal this season in taking us through this journey of Pujols' chase to 700 and just in the farewell tours in general. I mean, this has to be one of the most exciting seasons in Cardinals history one way or another. Um, And with that, we're also going to be talking and we're going to kick it off, believe it or not. That's going to be for later on in the show. There's a lot of interesting things that have happened in the NFL since we were last on last week, James. Um, And Maybe they've listened to some of the takes you've said. I mean, I'll give them props if they did, but it's the only people that listen to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, some of us, it's a choice. Others, we don't really have that choice. Um, And that's it. Poke the dog. Yeah. We're going to poke the dog. Yeah. There's another thing. James is going to go full mad dog tonight. And I'm not going to tell you what for just yet, but when it comes up, you will know why. And he will have the whole floor on this one. Mm -hmm. This one is not where it's just going to be me and him. No, this will be 
purely James on your screen. So either you're really going to want to tune into that, or I really we've warned you. Yeah, we've warned you. We've, yeah, warned, we've you. warned you for that part. But yes, <laughs> first before we get into all the baseball talk this evening, we first also want to let you know you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on our official YouTube channel, both for Interstate 70 Sports Media. You can find Roundabout Sports on Facebook as well. And also be sure to tune into James's uh, show, The Strike Zone, every week, and where he gives you the latest updates in both the world of baseball and in sports in general. So with that, let's kick off with what's going on in the NFL. The Pro Bowl is gone. Where do you want to start? The Pro Bowl is gone, James. Granted, I didn't even think it was still there when you think about it, but at the same time, it is officially gone. And and look, I, I, they didn't listen to me. They listened to you as well. I'm not taking all the credit for this, Jeremy, my man. Finally, Roger Goodell and those idiots at 500 Park Place in New York City got it right. For the longest time, and we talked about this, what was it, last week or the week before, when you were watching uh, – the NFL quarterback competition on YouTube. And we talked about how it was time for the pro bowl to go. It was, we needed a skills comp. We talked about the different possible events. And finally, 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 they got it right. And it's gone. I mean, you're going to get a skills comp in a flag football game. It seems like it's been flag football for the last 10 years anyway. Well, it's because there hasn't been much. Okay, you look at games like the All-Star game where, I mean, it used to be there was more to it as to the stakes. Right. You know, and on top of that, there's just something about the Midsummer Classic that Ah. everybody just tunes in and there's so much enjoyment to it. And most importantly, what do you have the night before? The Home Run Derby. A skills competition, yeah. And you have skills competition, which is a skills competition. You also have a celebrity softball game. which Those are fun to watch. Yeah, which brings a lot of legends, uh, legendary athletes, as well as a bunch of Hollywood celebrities, which I always do enjoy. Um, Your favorite favorite has got to be The Miz, right? I was definitely thinking of The Miz on that one. I always love seeing The Miz up there. The the year he pitched and brought Joe Boo to the mound with him. Yes, (laughs) that was just perfect. So on top of all this, the Pro Bowl is going to be rebranded and you're going to be bringing back a lot of skills competitions that are going to involve quarterbacks, running backs, even offensive linemen, um, which I definitely do think um, <laughs> I is, get a kick out of it. Even is that, now, go ahead. I was going to say, is that not, is that, and, and I have to bring this up because we all know how much John Madden loved his offensive lineman. Oh, yeah. I mean, is that not just like right, perfect timing? I mean, you know, we we have to – we need to bubble wrap his legacy because I, I think as we go further on, people in our generation only know John Madden because of the video game. And, you know, I, I think that that's important. Like, I think there needs to be like some kind of event, like especially for offensive linemen, that is – geared towards something he would have come up with. I mean, I just, I'm, I think watching, (laughs) I think maybe even a big man celebration, like after they score a touchdown or like the best to watch hell, I don't care if you have a dance competition with those guys. I mean, anything that those big guys do is going to be great. 
Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, legend, legendary player Jackie Slater, a, who was a seven-time pro, pro bowler for yeah. both the Los Angeles Rams and later St. Louis Rams in his final season, he welcomed the changes that were made to the Pro Bowl because when you think about it, a long time ago, the Pro Bowl was the AFC versus the NFC. Yep. It was the best of both conferences going head to head. Now, when you're if you're in the position that um, Jackie Slater was in, he'd be going up against guys like uh, Mark Gastonow, Howie Long, Jack Lambert. I mean, Jack Ham. These are guys that you would never want to go up against. No. In in any other regards. Um, and for the longest time, the um, Pro Bowl went from this supremacy to just, they even ditched the uh, format yeah. of the AFC versus the NFC. And they started having guys like Deion Sanders and Jerry Rice in there to have a fantasy draft. And then it'd be just Team Rice versus Team Deion. And none of it would help bring help to bring back viewers. It was and bad it, TV. It was that's bad the TV. Thing. Too. It was great seeing these guys. It was just, but it was just bad TV because nobody. First off, a lot of the Pro Bowlers who got voted in didn't play because they were either on Super Bowl teams or they were injured or they just had other, you know, they had reasons to back out. Tom Brady is the perfect example of a guy who either was always in the Super Bowl or just always declined to play. Well, and here's here's the thing too. We we talk about the how it used to be the NFC versus the AFC, and you know you're right. A lot of those guys were either injured or they were in the Super Bowl. But you're looking at now you've added a week to the regular season. The last thing these guys want to do is have to go out and actually play another game of tackle football. So as as you were talking, I was sitting here jotting down some notes. Let's look at the NBA All Star Game. The best part of the NBA All Star Game is the night before. When you've got the sprite three-point shooting contest or the, you know, the the accurate pass or whatever else. Same thing with the NHL All-Star game. While I love the NHL All-Star game, the best part is the hardest shot competition or the goalie, you know, the, the big save competition or even the shooting accuracy. The best part of the All-Star games is always the skills competition. Now, with the NHL All-Star game, of course, you have a million-dollar carrot at the end if you win the whole thing. But it was so much better when it was East versus West or when you had the North American versus the world. But now you see the NBA. It's LeBron's got to pick his team or uh, James Harden's got to pick his team. And you're taking the true the true meaning of the All-Star game out. It becomes a popularity contest. But the best All-Star game going is by far the Major League Baseball All-Star game. There's just something about it. It's the middle of summer. You've got a, a, a beautiful setting in, in most parts. It, it was this past summer in L.A. Of course, they honored Albert. Uh, funny enough, he hit 700 there. Um, and he almost won the home run derby, too. That's right. I mean, there's just – this is why I always say, and take it, I'm going to cliche the hell out of this, but in the, in the words of Field of Dreams, how can you not be romantic about the game of baseball? If these other sports would take a look at how the Major League Baseball does their all-star game, where you have to have one player from each team, uh, you know, and just make it a where you've got a popularity contest in terms of voting, but the coaches also get to pick players, it would have worked. But the NFL, I mean, look, the only thing the Pro Bowl is good for is me wasting time until the Royal Rumble comes on. You know, it's funny you bring that up because – 
you know, Jackie Slater, I wanted to continue what he had said because it, I think it sums up our point of view as well as many others as well. He says, quote, in a recent interview um, with Fox News Digital, he said, I think it's absolutely overdue. It was a disgraceful display of our sport for a number of years. And fortunately, it wasn't when I was playing. When I was playing this game, you showed up as an offensive lineman. You didn't have no fun all week long because you had to deal with Howie Long or Mark Gassineau. You had to deal with Reggie White. You had to deal with Warren Sapp, John Randall, whatnot. Um, and Exactly. And you had to deal with these guys. And if these guys, quote, to continue, if they beat you twice – they got the MVP award, which yep. back then was a new car. Oh, that's um, right. I forgot about that. And he said, quote, I don't think you have to work as hard for a new car nowadays. Which <laughs> is a very interesting <laughs> point. I love the and, line. And he can and I wanted to continue with this one. Um, but if you're gonna have a Pro Bowl game. No holds can be barred. You have got to play the game, and there's too many incentives out there for everybody not to have a game. And I definitely agree with that. If you're going to have a game, you have to play your heart and soul out. I understand that the whole risk for injuries, you know, is high, especially for players who at that game are not in the playoffs most likely. So they don't really have – that much to play for except maybe bragging rights to say at the next meeting real quick and i'm going to kind of use you and i as an example so we both played high school football yes and you know and we're not certainly not on their level and i'm not saying we are but (laughs) the thing is is like i always found it if i tried to be more careful and tried not to get hurt that would be the time i'd get hurt so you know, go out and play the game 100%. And, and my biggest problem is, it's like, okay, so if you win, you get X amount of thousands of dollars. My competitive side would be enough just to go out and play my ass off. I mean, instead of trying to pull up or whatever else. So, you know, here's the thing. And this is probably going to be a touchy subject, but I think you'll agree with me. I think the game of football has changed over time the same way society has. We've gotten softer. Now, I understand I understand concussions. I understand CTE. I understand all of the brain injuries. And a lot of you may think I have one for even saying this, but whatever. So my point is, is the game of football has become so, I don't want to say cream puff, but we're so worried about protecting players instead of letting them go out and play my competitive side. I don't know if I could pull up instead of just going 100%. And I'm sure you probably feel the same way. You know, this is the thing that does upset me when it comes to how football's changed. First off, I do hate how it took a man to uh, basically die, and it takes other players to shoot themselves and donate their brains for people to actually give a shit about the real issue, which is about CTE and concussions and head injuries. Because that is a real concern that could have saved, if diagnosed in the past and thought of in the past, would have saved so many lives to so many players. Junior Seau is the first one that pops into my head. You know, Junior Seau, Dave Durison, Mike Webster, who was the first one, you know, when it came to bringing attention to this. Well, look at the play, the Saints player Gleason, who who ended up in a wheelchair. Steve Gleason. I mean, there's no reason. I mean, we look at it. I mean, how do we know Lawrence Phillips didn't have CTE? I mean, he he was crazy anyway, but still, but Junior Seau, you look at, I mean, just, you're right. A lot of these players, I mean, 
guys that were great, genuine, good people, you know, end up either killing other people or killing themselves. And yeah, you should look at that. And and I, look, we'll get into this in a minute. A perfect example of this is how Tua Tonga was handled this weekend. I mean, good Lord. I mean, he looked like he was on, to, to use a, a wrestling broadcasting, Jim Ross term, he looked like he was on Dream Street. And he comes back in later in the game and leads the Dolphins to a win. But that's what concussion spotters are for. We see it all the time in the NHL. We see it in the NFL. But how the hell does something like that go overlooked? Well, they're also investigating the Player Association and they are looking into everything regarding Tua coming back into the game. When you know, first off, I do think a lot of it had to do, and like I said, we'll touch, like you said, we'll touch on this later. Uh, some of it had to do with just kind of the adrenaline, the spur of the moment reflexes. Right. But yeah, you know, if you are feeling wobbly in any way, you know, you probably shouldn't be in there. And usually nowadays with the NFL, they have a policy where you, if you are in that type of condition, you have to be out for at least one play. Yep. Um, so we and that's looked the at report. Right, exactly. And you look at the the way and that's what and that kind of goes back to the whole Pro Bowl and why it became more watered down. It yep. was it wasn't even so much the NFL watered it down. I think it was more so just the players chose not to go as hard in the game. And it's like, okay, we respect the fact that players you know, especially in a game like the Pro Bowl, aren't trying to crack each other's heads open. Right. Totally get that. Totally respect it. Which is why years ago, they should have gotten rid of the Pro Bowl and had the Pro Bowl games or the Pro Bowl weekend and have it to where you have all these skill competitions, you know, and all these festivities. I'd say have the NFL honors around this time. I agree One big event because you shouldn't have to have um the pro bowl at a certain time where and then have the nfl honors at a different time yeah because the nfl honors are generally a week later at the super bowl but i I think you're right i it's it's that that makes perfect sense just build a huge you know huge ceremony around it all and you're right about the pro bowl in them you know obviously you don't want a a ray fossey versus you know pete rose in the nfl pro bowl and Don't want that again play, in the All Star game either, right? No doubt. And you know, I, I'm with you. I, I think that's. But I, I love the idea. They finally, like I said, they finally got it right. I mean, how, how much do I? I mean, I want to see a, a, a Tyree kill. Maybe you bring in Usain Bolt and have those guys race at the Ooh. Pro Bowl games or whatever else. I mean, would that not be entertaining? I mean, God, that'd be awesome to watch. You know, and, yeah. and so I mean. You know, or you bring in maybe you have, you know, again Tyree Kill. You, you bring in Pat Mahomes against Tuatunga Vialoa to see who's the most accurate quarterback. But I mean, this is gonna, this is finally what we've all. This is gonna bring in ratings. It's gonna bring in sponsorship money, and I think when it comes down to it, I just, I think it's all around better. I, I just, we've talked about it over and over and over again, whether it's a home run derby or a skills cop in NHL, that stuff is just the gimmick of it is going to bring in, is going to bring eyes to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited to see where they go from here. And hopefully it's something that fans will give a good chance to, and they will stick around with for years to come. I mean, 
even with kickers, can you imagine somebody going out and line up to kick a 70 yard field goal? I mean, oh, gosh, well, and that's but, the thing. Like Justin Tucker could probably do that because guess what? well, and that's the funny thing because I mean, obviously it won't count towards the NFL record, but it's fun because these guys will be having this wide open space. And hell, I would say if you if you can bring back some of the legendary kickers, bring in Vinatieri, Morton Anderson, you know, bring in uh, bring in a Pat McAfee to see punt wise. Bring in Pat McAfee for a punt. Oh my gosh, the for the brand, the for oh, the brand competition. Yes, there uh, we go. We so just oof. one more thing, and then I'll I'll let the Pro Bowl thing go. But I still think that you have to have some kind of voting to get in because that still does affect players' contracts. Well, yeah, and, and that's the thing I hope the NFL still does is have it where you're a pro bowler. And it also not only just affects the contracts, it affects the legacies of these players. The Hall of Fame, yeah. Yeah, because yep, yep. when you think about think of a guy that's a 12-time pro bowler as opposed to a guy that, you know, w- let's just say for the sake of the argument, Josh Allen never makes a pro bowl again, not because he isn't great, because he is great, but oh, because yeah. they don't have the Pro Bowl again. Obviously, when you look back on his career, when it comes to trying to decide for Canton and whatnot, not <laughs> seeing a, maybe seeing a one or two time Pro Bowl next to him doesn't really give you that much of an edge as opposed to, I mean, and then you look at guys, because perfect example for baseball, look at guys like Stan Musial and Willie Mays and Hank Aaron, who are 24 and 25 time All-Stars. Yep, which will never happen again. And nope. that's only because they had two all there used to be a time when there were two all-star games in a season. Yep. And there ain't no way that's ever gonna happen. Well, now, the only Jack- thing I don't like about the MLB All-Star game, there's just one thing. I want you to guess what it is. Hmm. Well, I'm not sure. I don't like that the NL can't win a damn all-star game. Eight years in a row, man. Eight years in a row. Eight, nine. I've lost track. I don't know anymore. NL can't win a damn all-star game to save their lives. Yeah, Jags history tuning in again tonight says Miami couldn't even punt right, so none of their kickers could. <laughs> Which kudos to him too. Look at him. He's got to be on cloud nine after the Jaguars just obliterated the Chargers this week. Which Good Lord. speaking of which, the Chargers have now added uh Joey Bosa to injured reserve. Yep. And um, we already have Rashawn Slater on injury reserve for the rest of the season. You know, um, Jalen Guyton's out for the season. Justin Herbert shouldn't have ever played in that game. Boy, he took some big pops in that game. My God, they were on him. But let's talk. So real quick, if we want to shift gears, I just got to mention this because I put this down in, in my notes. Trevor Lawrence was 28 of 39 for 262 yards and three touchdowns. James Robinson, who couldn't hang on to the ball last year, 17 carries, 108 yards, and a touchdown run where he, look, he went full Derrick Henry stiff arm on some of these guys. My God. I look, right now they're 2-1. and one. They should be 3-0. and oh. Yeah, what the hell I know that feeling. There? I know that feeling about a team that should be 3-0. and oh. Well, you know. Don't, don't worry. The Bengals will be another game behind you guys after Miami kicks their ass tomorrow night. That. Shit, I sure hope so. But did you well, see where the Dolphins are four and a half point favorite or the Bengals are four and a half point favorites in that game? Yes, you're right. I, and I needed that Ingram pass to count. He's on my fantasy football team. Well, you know, and here's another quick thing for fantasy that you and funny you mentioned that the NFL officially has changed the ruling of that punt. 
of the butt punt. It is no longer a uh, blocked punt. It is actually considered a punt by Thomas Morstead for minus one yards. So in the history books, in the record books, it's going to be a minus one yard punt by Thomas Morstead. Um, and Aaron Wallace, thank you so much for tuning in, man. Much love for you. Always tuning in to the Wrestle Talk podcast on Tuesday nights, which there was not one last night because the guys like the Night Owl and Skywalker Roberts are enjoying themselves in Vegas for the Cauliflower Alley Club convention and reunion, which... Why the hell weren't we invited? I'm a member of the CAC. I was invited, but so much going on this year, I definitely was not able to. I'm hoping next year I can, but let me tell you, I saw the list of names like Jerry Lawler, Cowboy Bob Orton, the Rock and Roll Express. Um, our Our dear friend Herb Simmons is there. I cannot begin to describe how many of a who's who in wrestling is there right I, now in Vegas. So I think enjoy. I think the next I think the next time I'm in town, we need to do like a special show, like on location or some something. Well, that's what I've told them as well. Uh, or that or that's what actually the Night Owl said is to do a Wrestle Talk podcast episode on location. I was hoping they'd do that for CAC, but right. no, no harm, no foul. I can't wait for them to get back, and I hope they have nothing but loads of fun. Yeah, no so doubt. W- with that, w- let's continue the NFL talk because what you if got? There, if there's one team that just blew my mind on Sunday, it was the Kansas City Chiefs. Because Ugh. let me tell you something: Ugh. the Colts, the Indianapolis Colts, who have a lot of talent, we're not saying they don't, but they couldn't beat the Texans. Couldn't they beat got the Jaguars. their ass whipped by the Jaguars. But they beat the Chiefs, and it's not like they blew the Chiefs out of the water. It was a close game, and the Chiefs played hard. But guess what? You saw something that you don't see often, and that was dissension among the ranks. And, I mean, first off, when the drive should have ended for the Colts, that potential game-winning drive, the eventual one, Chris Jones uh, is getting into Matt Ryan's face, and it leads to a 15-yard penalty. And, you know, I have friends that were saying, oh, I shouldn't have been called. It's going to be called, you know. But we don't know what was said. We don't know what was said either. Um, So, and, you know, Jack's fan brought it up. There's uh, special teams issues the whole game as well. And Eric Biennemi getting into it with Patrick Mahomes, which obviously in that scenario, unless Patrick Mahomes said something really awful, we know who the fans are going to side with. Huh. What you got for me? Well, I, I was taking a look. Remember, I, I said pre-show that there was more to this Chris Jones, Matt Ryan story than what we what we know. Uh, uh, so everybody's still mum on exactly what he said. But apparently, Matt Ryan and the official said that it was, quote, unquote, disturbing language that has no place in professional football. And that it was apparently geared towards Matt Ryan's family. Oh, oh boy! So that ain't look, good. I mean, there, there are there are things that should and should not be said. I get it. Look, I watched the movie The Program the other day. You want to hear some stuff that shouldn't be said in you know in a football game? Watch that movie. Um, and. You know, Jags history brings up that the Jets defensive line coach got into it with Quinn and Williams. Quinn and Williams has a track record for being a loud, a loud mouth, though. So, what? no, 
not him. Uh, so here's what I'll say with regards to Eric Bieniemy and Patrick Mahomes. I kind of agree with Mahomes. I get the competitive nature that you want. I, there was over the play calling, and it was at the end of the first half, and they were barking at each other pretty good. I, I get it, but the play calling wasn't great all game long, and that's not just on Bieniemy. That's on Andy Reid as well. But I, I don't know. I, I don't watch enough of the Chiefs. to. I'm more of an NFC guy, and I think that's where we – we compliment each other because you're more AFC, I believe. But, you know, I kind of saw, I, I felt like they were conservative when they didn't have to be. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, have I ever gotten into it with a coach? Yes. In, in all three sports I played, I did. You know, I definitely did. Baseball, football, <laughs> hockey, I was always barking because I always, you know, you're that competitive. You're in the, you're in the heat of battle sometimes your emotions get the best of you. So I get it. Do I think there's dissension there? I wonder how good of a coach Eric Bieniemy really is because obviously he hasn't been hired on as a head coach anywhere else. And I just wonder if behind it all, and, and this is just speculation, whether or not, you know, he, he kind of has a, a reputation for getting into it with his players. I was going to say, and maybe that affects why he hasn't been, really sought after for a head coaching job. Right. You know, because a lot of people are saying, how is this guy who's such a great offense coordinator, which he is, not in the position of head coach with any team yet? And maybe this has something to do with it. And, um, and, and maybe Andy Reid is the one that kind of controls that, is like the puppet that pulls the strings. And that's why he's been so successful is because of the system he's in. Yeah, it very well could be. And you speak about – Guys that are having issues and wondering why they're sticking around with football. Let's let's talk quickly. Let's switch from the NFL to college and talk about Luther Burden. Oh, goodness. I know, right? This is where the fun part comes in. So for those that don't know, Luther Burden is the five-star freshman wide receiver um, for the Mizzou Tigers. And... It first off, let's just say this this season has been an absolute disaster for the Tigers so far. You lost but, the game against Auburn twice. You, yeah, you lost it against them twice, and fans were mad because the game was preempted with everything about Aaron Judge. Well, guess what? Watching Aaron Judge was a lot better than watching Mizzou get their butts whooped the way they did. Um, and then he starts <laughs> to, then he starts deleting everything on his Instagram yeah. regarding regarding Mizzou. Leading fans to speculate, oh gosh, here here we go again. It's DGB all over. He's getting oh, the move. Oh, man. And this is game over. Well, this morning, uh, he had tweeted out, quote, Mizzou fans, please don't misunderstand my intentions. I'm always a Tiger. Just be patient. Here we come. Hashtag reset. Hashtag M-I-Z. So Tiger fans can uh, collectively exhale, and it's a good sign. Um, but I'll, but I'll tell you though, he he's the number fourteen recruit overall in the class of twenty twenty two, and he was the and he was probably one of the most, in my opinion, highly regarded players to sign with Mizzou in their history because there is so much hype surrounding him. And the thing of it is, though, he uh he, last or in week one against Louisiana Tech. 
He scored two touchdowns. Um, the following week, he got the ball twice. Yeah. And in week four, in which Mizzou lost seventeen to fourteen, he got the ball once when he was snubbed or when he was subbed on to receive a punt. Yep. So obviously, fans have reason to be upset. The team is not doing well. Because, you know, remember when Mizzou was treating it like they wanted more competition, so they'll go to the SEC? Well, they got the competition. They just have to work more on the beating the competition part. Right. And that's, you that's need, that one little thing. And you needed to beat Auburn because you're sure as hell not going to beat Georgia this weekend. Um, Georgia any weekend. Well, it's true. And you're right. Look, Luther Burden, highly touted, reclassified out of East St. Louis, um, you know, you had all these top programs that wanted him. Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Mizzou, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas. The list goes on and on and on. Could you imagine the success he'd be having at the University of Alabama? Because Nick Saban and Bill O'Brien, as much as I can't stand that son of a bitch, they would figure out a way to get him the ball. Eli Drinkwitz has to figure out how to get your best player the ball. Your best player has to be your best player, but he can't be your best player if you don't get your best player the ball. Do you figure it out? He's the best player you have. So, you know, when you look at an offensive game plan, you've got to figure out how to get him the ball. I mean, special teams ain't going to cut it. You've got to figure out to get him in space because when he gets in space with the ball, he's going to make plays. They should have beat Auburn. Yes. You lost twice. Mevis needed to hit the kick. And then, you, obviously, you fumble the ball right before you get to the end zone. Nonetheless, the game should have never been in overtime. But all you need is Luther Burden to break one play, and that game's never in doubt. Absolutely. With that, folks, we're going to transition over to some good old-fashioned Major League Baseball. Welcome to Roundabout Sports, presented by Interstate 70 Sports Media. I'm the maestro Jeremy Carp alongside Hollywood James Knox. And, folks, if you are in St. Louis, I'm going to tell you, you must be feeling pretty good right now. Meanwhile, if you are in Kansas City, eh, you got the Chiefs. I mean, because... Well, on the bright side, the Royals are not in last place. Problem is, they're not doing good either. They're 63 and 91, and obviously well beyond eliminated from anything. Is it real oh. quick? Is it not? Is it is it ironic that the best team in terms of record right now in the state of Kansas is the University of Kansas football team that's four and zero? I love it. I mean, and I'm not even a, not even the big Jayhawks guy. You know, you got the Mizzou bias, but at the same time, it's great to see Kansas actually doing really well for the sake of let's get some damn rivalries going. They're gonna watch. They'll be in the Big Ten before it's all said and done. That's what I'm saying. Let's get some rivalries going. Let's get some intense competition because Kansas has sucked ass for years. <laughs> I remember. Remember when? Honestly, two of the most prominent football programs were Mizzou and Kansas. Right. And then all the way down. So with that, we're going to we're going to uh, ignore the fact that the Royals are in second to last place, although right now they are trailing two to one against the last place Detroit Tigers. So probably not the team you want to be losing to. 
um, in the top of the six, and the Royals do have the bases loaded, thankfully. But nevertheless, we're going to talk about the eastern side of Missouri, where the St. Louis Cardinals, for the 12th time, Yay! are National League Central champions by beating the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, technically, the magic number was three. But because they own the tiebreaker over the Brewers, and there's no game 163s or anything else to be played, they have officially clinched this division. Line and sinker. Now, first thing I want to bring up about this whole Cardinals winning the division. First off, is it hilarious? And we talked about this at the top of the show that the Cardinals not only have the most titles in this than the other NL Central teams do combined, but Pujols, our Pujols has been in the playoffs with the Cardinals since he's come back as many times as he was in 10 years with the Angels. Once. He made the playoffs one time in 10 years with the Angels. God. One time in his second stint with the Cardinals, he's been to the playoffs once in his last year. Dumpster so, fire of an organization. So I and that and that puts back in the whole perspective. What if he never left? All these records would be smashed. Cardinals, you know, and then we get, you know, that's a whole other thing we've discussed in the past. But yep. the bottom line is the farewell tour extends past the end of the regular season with Pujols and Yachty and probably Wayno as they go into this postseason. And the Cardinals are going to look for their 12th World Series title. Um, and Ali Marmo, a man who most fans had not heard of heading into this season, filling in the shoes of Mike Schilt. And look where they're at. Because you have the best ba- president of baseball operations in the damn game. Oh, boy. All right, folks, this is what we were talking about earlier, what I was telling you at the top of the show. There was a point where our lovely uh, James over here was going to go on his Mad Dog rant as to why he feels the majority of the reason the Cardinals are in the position they're in right now is because of the man himself, Mono's John Mozeliak. And instead of it being split screen to where I'm going to hear this, I'm going to let James have the floor on this one and explain to you lovely fans tuning in at home as to why he feels this way. And I'll be back shortly. So, James, it is all you, my friend. You got it. So I know and you know that we all at some point in time in the last 10 years have banged on John Mozeliak course, president of baseball operations of your St. Louis Cardinals and former general manager. Of course, most would argue that he still is, that Michael Gersh just has the title simply because, you know, Moe's pulling the strings. So let's look back. First and foremost, with Moe at the head of operations when it comes to setting up this roster and dealing with baseball operations, the Cardinals have had 15 winning seasons in a row. 15, a streak that started one year before John Mazelak took over for Walt Jockety. You look at the contracts and look at the trades that he's made. You acquired Matt Holliday. You were able to extend him. Matt Holliday retires a Cardinal and was just recently inducted into the Major League, the Cardinals Baseball Hall of Fame. You look at other guys. 
like extending Adam Wainwright twice, Yadier Molina twice. Yes, sure, he lost pools, but it was Mozeliak who actually initiated the conversation to bring Albert Pools back. You're certainly not where you are without number five. So for as many times as we want to yell at John Mozeliak for not doing this or doing that during the offseason, Mo has always made the right move. Now, we may not always agree with it. There were contract extensions that were given out way too early. Matt Carpenter, Carlos Martinez, Paul DeYoung. But he also traded for guys like Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt and guys like Jose Quintana, Jordan Montgomery, and Jojo Romero. So let's look back at this year alone. The Cardinals trailed the Brewers by four and a half games at the trade deadline. Mo knew what to do. He goes out and gets Jose Quintana. Quintana, since being with the Cardinals, 3-1 and one with a 2.14 earned run average. In 54 and two-thirds innings, he struck out 41. Jordan Montgomery, 5-3 and three with a 3.12 earned run average. 57 and two-thirds pitch, 56 strikeouts. And then Jojo Romero, the deal that sent Edmundo Sosa to the Philadelphia Phillies. Romero, no record, but he has a 2.45 earned run average in 11 innings pitched, and he struck out 12. John Mozalek made sure to strengthen a weakening part of this, this ball club because Adam Wainwright was wearing down. Jack Flaherty can't stay healthy. Dakota Hudson, well, he's been up and down as well. So he knew what to do, and he pulled the right strings, and you didn't give up a whole lot for those guys. Okay, so why this team wins the Central is, is simply because of Mo. Mo hired Ali Marmol. Okay, he's the youngest manager at the age of 36 to win a division since MLB converted to a division format in 1969. Sure, we all wondered what happened with Mike Schilt and the philosophical differences, but yet Mo knew exactly what to do by putting Ali rather in that position. And you go out and hire Skip Schumacher. So Mo stabilized the Cardinals' rotation since Q and Monty joined this team. The Cardinals have the third best record in Major League Baseball at 36 and 17. They are sixth in war from their starting pitchers at a 5.3, and he gave up little to make it work. Mo also initiated the conversation with Albert. I think, well, there's no telling, and this team is not where they are without number five. Look at player development. Guys like Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman, Juan Yepes. Andre Palante and Zach Thompson out of the bullpen, and Palante even starting. Without the proper player development and those guys being put in the positions they were in, this team is certainly not in first place in playing games down the rest of the season that really don't mean anything. One word, Newt. Lars Newtbar. Now, Newtbar, not a rookie, but he only had a hand just over 160 plate appearances in Major League Baseball before this year. So putting Lars Newtbar in this position, making the trade to send Harrison Bader to New York, moving Dylan Carlson to center, and opening up right field for Lars Newtbar has been outstanding for this lineup. Newt also has the sixth highest total of outfield assists in Major League Baseball this year. Corey Dickerson, I know what you're thinking. A terrible signing, right? Well, it was early on. And then after the All-Star break, Corey Dickerson refined his swing with help from Jeff Albert. I know we all hate him too, right? I was never a fan, but it worked. Corey Dickerson got hot, helped lead this team 
to winning the division. And then, of course, Nolan and Goldie. Better than peanut butter and jelly. Better than beer and pizza. Nolan and Goldie. Goldie acquired for Luke Weaver and Carson Kelly has certainly helped this team with their leadership and their production this year. Both are MVP candidates. And yes, both were traded for by John Mazalek. I know that everybody wanted the Cardinals to spin like the Yankees or to go back to the way Walt Jockety did things. But folks, Mo knows. And that, that is why the Cardinals are the 2022 National League Central Division champions. Wow. Okay. Powerful words there, Mad Dog. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable. I, I will give that. Uh, just wow. But you're not wrong. You're really not. It all, it's, it's the pieces of a puzzle that have all built up since 2007. This is a 15-year journey that's finally paying off. And because they snuck their way in 2011. They had the right pieces then too, but they snuck in. It yep. was it took a monumental collapse and a monumental surge at the same time for them to yep. get to the postseason. You're right. This year they didn't need either of that. This year the Cardinals have just been dominant and have experienced droughts of which they had not been successful. But when it comes down to it, the Cardinals this year might be one of the most underrated and yet dominant Cardinals teams we've ever seen. Well, I mean, go back to go back to the 90s. The, the 90s were not great baseball. I mean, you had the home run chase in 98, which it would became more of a thing if the Cardinals, it wouldn't matter if they won or lost. It was like, hey, did ben, did Big Mac homer? You know, the Cardinals, they weren't competitive. You go back to 96, and quite frankly, they should have been in the World Series that year, but they get swept by the Atlanta Braves. You know, yeah, Donovan Osborne. I will never forget that game. Anyway, you're right. They choked. And then, you know, it took to 2000 to get back to the playoffs and you lose to the Mets in the playoffs. Uh, that was the that was the Rick Ankiel series where you just started chucking everything to the backstop. And, you know, oh, one, you lose to the Diamondbacks. Uh, and then you fast forward to 04. Well, then you got 02 uh, as well. You know. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The, the Giants. The Giants. Yeah. 04 and 05. Tragic. And, and then 06, somehow they pretty much sucked ass most of the year, and yet they won it all. Well, and the funny thing about that is, like, they finally got healthy, and they got healthy at the right time. You, you got to remember, like, guys like Pujols were – he was banged up. Edmonds was banged up. Uh, you go back – Right. You go back and look at it, and it was like Raphael Belliard. I will never forget the catch he made and the play they made to help them clinch. And then, you know, you get hot, and – you, you know, here you go. And, uh, I mean, 2006, you know, what can you say? You win 83 games, you're a wildcard team, and you're a World Series champions. And then 2011, it took a, a monumental collapse by the Braves. Um, you know, the Phillies on the last day of the – on the on the last day of the season, uh, Chris Carpenter shuts out the Astros. You win 5 nothing, and then everybody's glued to that Phillies and Braves game. And then, you know – they were successful in 2013, except for the fact that they Mike Matheny's a dumbass, and let's keep pitching to David Ortiz. Yeah, and, that went well. Right. And then of course you had you had the uh 
the series against the Giants where <laughs> let's bring in Michael Walker to pitch and give up a home run to Travis East Chicago and Walker had not thrown in two weeks. And then obviously 2015, you get beat by the Cubs. Uh, and then you miss the playoffs in 16, 17, and 18. 19, you win the division. You get to the NLCS. Uh, and then the, the Nationals just hand you your ass. Last year, last year it took – or not last year. Yeah, last year. You had to win 17 games in a row to get into the playoffs. And you even go back to 2020. You should have beat the Padres. You had the Padres beat except for bad bullpen management. And now here we are. The bullpen is a strength of this team. The offense still scares me. But more notes, and I have something to ask you. Pitching rotation for the, you know, say for the wild card series, best of three. Who are you throwing out there? You know, I I originally said, and I believe it was last week where I said I would put Wainwright out there at at one of the three games. Okay. It is. Um, whether it be uh, game one or game three, especially, I mean, say game three, you know, if, if it comes to that, obviously if the Cardinals on the first two, who, you know, screw game three. But if they need game three, throw Wainwright out there and put it all. I'm looking at it now. I'm looking at putting Montgomery in game three if it needs to happen. I'm who starts at, your who starts the series? I'm thinking of Michaelis starting the series. And I'm thinking of Quintana starting game two. Thank you for saying that because it just plays into the stats that I have for you. So <laughs> Miles Michaelis on the year, he is 12 and 13. He's got a 3-3-0 earn run average. He's thrown 199 in the third innings. But in his last two starts. Against Milwaukee last night, he goes six innings, four hits, one earned. He strikes out nine, walks one. Okay. Now against San Diego, that was the that was the game that uh Snell like just absolutely shoved against the uh the Cardinals. So he lost that game, but he went six innings. He gave up three hit, three hits, an earned run, six strikeouts, and two walks. Blake Snell shoved, and the Cardinals lost that game one nothing. Now you're talking about Wainwright. So Wainwright on the year is 11 11. He's got a 3 5 1. He's thrown 187 in, in the third innings pitched. In his last two starts, identical lines with the exception of innings pitched. Against the Dodgers the other night, he gets the loss. He gives up six hits. He gives up four earned runs. He threw three innings. Against San Diego, he's 0-1, six hits, four earned run average, or four earned, and he throws six innings. Wainwright, they said he was dealing with dead arm, which I understand that. He's 42 years old, too. But they won't shut him down. He says the only way he knows to do is pitch through it. Well, you're not going. Your arm's not going to get any rested if you're pitching through it. I'm with you. I'm going Michaelis in game one. I'm going Jose Quintana in game two, and then game three. I'm going Jordan Montgomery with Jack Flaherty backing him up if I need to. You know, and the thing of it is. And that's a fair enough rotation. And the way I look at it, though, if it comes down to game three, you're obviously going to throw everybody and everything you have at right. whichever team you end up facing. Because well, it's the back. It, it's kind of like the old saying where you don't know how dangerous a man is until he's backed up against the corner. Well, bingo. Both teams are going to be backed against the corner. If we Now, Milwaukee has thrown bullpen games against the Cardinals already this year. We know mm -hmm. what they're capable of with that. So – because there is a chance we play the Brewers in the wild card round. Right. So and, it could very well come down to that as well. And depending on how bad this Adrian Hauser injury is, 
that could really damage their rotation. Remember, Hauser left the game last night early with some arm issues. And, you know, it, it kind of makes me wonder, like, so if, you, if you're looking at the Brewers, you're looking at Brandon Woodruff, who is throwing tonight for the Brewers. Now, Cardinals are down one nothing. Of course, they threw out one hell of a wacky-ass lineup tonight because I'm sure guys <laughs> like Nar Lars Newborn and some of these others are probably still drunk. Um, but so they're down one nothing tonight. But Woodruff, man, they've made him work. So he has not recorded an out in the top of the fourth, and he's already at 57 pitches. So you got Woodruff, depending on Hauser, you've got, you know, I'm trying to think. I mean, you've got Lauer that could throw for him, but he's been banged up. Freddie Peralta's been banged up. Corbin Burns, the Cardinals have handled him quite nicely. So you look at that and you put that aside. The Padres, on the other hand, could throw you Darvish at you, Blake Snell, and Joe Musgrove. And that's, then if not even them, you got Sean Manea, mm -hmm. you got Mike Clevenger, Right. I mean, and it, I was looking at the Braves rotation. Wow. I mean, you Braves to me would be the most dangerous rotation of them all. And that says something considering the Padre. I would consider them because you got Max Freed, yeah, you got Charlie Morton, you got Kyle Wright. What's that kid's name? You got Jake Ordozzi. And um, are we thinking of Bryce Elder? No, 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 no. Um oh, I can't think of his name. Because Spencer Strider's still on the IL. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of. Was Strider? He's still and, on the 15-day IL. They're but. expecting him back. Yeah, Jake Odorizzi was a good pickup for them. Uh, the Highland Illinois native, you know, a big-time pickup for him. Kid's got electric arm. His problem is, is he can't. He sometimes has control issues. So you think the Braves are more dangerous than a a a Scherzer? Think, okay. Let's put it this way. I think. As a whole, you know what? I'll take it back as far as the rotation. I'll put it as a whole team. I think as a whole team goes, I think the most dangerous team you would face in the wild card round would be the Braves. Okay. All right. Because so the you, offense you, of the Padres is definitely struggling. Right. And you probably it by saying the wild card round because ultimately if you're facing the Braves in the wild card, the Mets you would see in the next round because right. they would they would have won the division. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Because I'm sitting there thinking Scherzer, DeGrom, you know, those no, guys. No, you got I mean the Mets, Dodgers, that's a whole nother tier we're talking about. I mean, just for the sake of our wild card. Because okay. then you say we face the Phillies, which right now I believe the season ended, that is who we're going to be facing. Yeah. And that's you updated. Got, yeah. You, yeah. You got Noah Syndergaard, you got Zach Wheeler, Kyle Gibson, Aaron Nola, and Aaron Suarez. Yeah. Lyman. Nola's the best they have. Right. So None of these teams, I mean, obviously there's no such thing as a, a guarantee win. I think the Cardinals proved that when they lost to the Nationals. No but if anything, it shows that all these teams are going to be facing are, are going to be coming in toe-to-toe, uh, -toe, bell for bell. You know, it's definitely going to be a battle. The difference is, I when, and you brought this up earlier, you looked at the past playoff series and like against the Padres. What was the big issue? Bullpen mismanagement. Good Lord. I mean, it was absolutely terrible. I've in now they got the pieces to and the management to where I think that's not going to be an issue. Well, now you could argue that the, the Cardinals have the best bullpen in the National League out of playoff teams. I believe and I can see that. And you know, there is an under this if you asked me to say this a month ago, I would have thought you were out of your mind. I still um am. and I wouldn't say it. <laughs> but when you look at a bullpen for this for the wild card series, 
there is also the chance Dakota Hudson could come in handy because he's shown that he can pitch well out of the bullpen. It's just when it comes to the starting rotation, expecting a long start, you're not going to get. But right. if you need him for a couple innings out of the bullpen, you're going to get it. And like you said, you got Palante out there. Uh, you got Gallegos, Cabrera. You got obviously you're going to get Helsley out there. Do you think? Do you think Cabrera makes the playoff roster? Because apparently he's not done much in Memphis to turn heads to come back up to St. Louis. I think just knowing that he's a possibility is is beneficial. Because what you got to understand is that, and I know you definitely understand this, it's just you can never have too much of a good thing. I agree with that 100%. You can never have too much of a good thing. So it's nice to have all these options. I think if Cabrera does not make the, the playoff roster, it's because there's just so many guys that are better. Not well, because he's done terrible. The thing is, is he's been so inconsistent. And, and I think what I've seen out of when he's pitched, the big lefty Zach Thompson, the first rounder out of the University of Kentucky last year, this kid's got an electric arm. I mean, he's he throws 98, 99, and he's got a curveball that 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 has really big time 12 to 6 movement. And he's his control's better. And we all know the one thing in playoff baseball, walks will kill you. Nine out of ten times a walk is coming around to score. And you yeah. can't have that in late innings. But you're right. Palante, Dakota Hudson, you know. Does you Matt know, think, make it? Does Matt Steven Matt make the playoff I, roster? I think so. And is I think it because that, he's a lefty? I think one, that, and two, because I think he can give you two to three innings pitched. Let's go back okay. to 2011 and how Tony LaRusa utilized that bullpen. This was back before Lance Lynn was a starter. You'd start a game with Kyle Loesch. Or, you know, somebody like that. And the next thing you know, boom, here comes Lance Lynn in the third inning. Same thing with Edwin Jackson. You know, those guys were the guys that weren't in your rotation but were swing guys that could give you two to three innings and get you kind of bridge that to the back of the bullpen. And I think that's the really important thing here. We talked about 2020 and how the reason the Cardinals lost that series to the Padres was due to bullpen mismanagement. I think bullpen – like bullpen defense and timely hitting are the three keys to winning a, a any any playoff se- series. We saw that with the Braves. You know when the when the Cardinals beat the Braves back in 2019, Yadier Molina with the big hit, the one where he chucked the bat down the right field line or threw yes. it in the right field. You know, or even coming out and just like barraging the Braves ten nothing in 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 game or in first inning of game five. That it's always that. Yeah, right. It was always that timely hitting. I'll never forget that because I was I was sitting at damn it, where was I? We were in Gulf Shores and I was sitting at a, a nice restaurant watching that. And uh, you know, the, the people next to us were Braves fans, and of course I had my Cardinals jersey on and I was giving them hell. But mm. we look at it and you know, everybody going into that, you know, oh, it's the Braves and oh, it's this and that. I think the experience, um, of some of these guys will help too. Helsley's been there. Geo's pit, Geo pitched in that series. So, you know, I loved what Albert Poole said last night. And if you didn't see it, you can find it. He said, it's great to win the division, but remember, this is just the first step. And there's just something about this team. And I think you'll agree with me. Here we go again. October baseball, it's Cardinals devil magic. There's something about this team where I got a feeling they're going to make a uh, they're going to make a long run. I can totally see it because you look at the bullpen, some of the guys in the bullpen in 2011, 
You got uh, Fernando Salas, who was usually your closer before Jason Mott became the main closer. You got Kyle McClellan. Um, you also have Brian Franklin, Mitchell Boggs, oh Octavio Dotel, Mark Brachemski. Yeah, um, You got Brandon Dixon. Uh, and you, you also got, and then you got Arthur Rhodes. So you got, you do got a whole bunch of guys and Edwin Jackson. Or, well, he was actually this, actually uh, Edwin Jackson was in the rotation, I believe. But still, you got uh, all these guys, and the Cardinals made it work. La Russa made it work. Yeah. And I think Marmol is is able to make what they have now work because if you want my honest opinion, this is pure development at its finest. You got so many young guys that are from just the organization mixed in with the rotation of guys that have come to the team or have been bred through the organization. And you got yourself a team that can go toe to toe with anybody. And I think it's interesting because they may be losing to guys like the, on the nationals, but they'll be beating teams like the Dodgers. And at the end of the day, you need to beat the Dodgers more than you need to you know, beat the Nationals when it comes to October baseball. The thing is, is it's weird because if you look at the Cardinals, just just in general, you know, over the years, it's like they've played down to their competition. But when it's come to the postseason, whether it's the Dodgers or the Padres, Mets, Phillies, whoever it'll be. And, you know, you go back to that 2011, you know, that series against the Phillies and how it came down to Chris Carpenter and uh, Roy Holiday in game five, you get the Skip Schumacher triple in the first inning, and that's all he needed. It was a one nothing, you know, great, well-pitched game. Uh, you know, and it just kind of it, – it, it's like they always play up to the moment. And you've got guys like Pujols. You've got guys like Yadier Molina. You've got guys like – I mean, even Ali Marmol and Skip Schumacher being on the staff. I mean – you know, these guys are certainly not going to let the rest of these guys become complacent, especially the younger guys on the team. You don't have to worry about that with Goldie and, and Arenado. And we go all the way back. Let's go back to the All-Star break. And I remember Greg Amzinger in the, the interview with Nolan Arenado saying, look, I don't want to settle for winning a wild card. And we are like, oh, it's just, you know, hearsay, whatever else. And then you're down four and a half at the All-Star break and – you know, you close them out with a week left in the season. It just has that – it has that aura to it. And step outside. It feels crisp. It feels cool. That's – it's here. The playoffs are here. And we talked about it earlier. It's hard to believe that we're this close to the playoffs and how quickly the summer went by. Folks, this is what you play the 162 games for. And not only does it feel that way with the intensity of the games – but you just have that feeling in the air. You know, th there's something about October baseball. It really is. Now, folks, we are going to transition to, and it's still baseball-related, and it's still Cardinals-related, but I want to flash this back to August 8th, where Albert Pujols had seven home runs and 24 RBIs on the season. Mind you, this was August 8th. It is September 28th. We didn't think he was good. I mean, we hoped. We were nervous. Was he going to get 700? What was going to happen? He was not having a good season up to that point. He had a great moment in uh, in the home run derby when he knocked off Schwarber. 
Um, you know, he had his final all-star game. You know, he was having great moments, but he wasn't having a great season. So we flash forward now to September 28th, and he has 21 home runs and 58 RBIs. So he has more than doubled his RBI total since August 8th. On top of that, folks, the illustrious mark has finally, finally been reached. Mm -hmm. Because on on September 23rd, this past Friday, Albert Pujols hit his 700th career home run. When just a couple innings earlier, he hit his 699th career home run. And unfortunately, a lot of people couldn't watch the damn moment because it was on Apple TV Plus or whatever you call it. Um, <laughs> and But thankfully for KMOX coming through in the clutch as always, it's, it's historic because Pujols is literally – there have been – Wow. Over 10,000 players in Major League Baseball history. Only four of them have 700 or more home runs. Three of them are in the Hall of Fame, and there's a lot of debate. Well, I'm sorry, two of them are in the Hall of Fame. One's definitely going to get in the Hall of Fame, and there's a lot of debate about the fourth one. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, you know, it's just crazy to think that we've gotten to this point. And, you know, they released... I, for, I believe it was the organization that released a video of all of Albert Pujols' home runs, but it was a fast yeah. montage. You're not kidding. And which is fine, but then you but you notice when he hits 500 and when he hits 600 and he's in an Angels uniform, it just doesn't feel the same. They didn't get but the same. He, they didn't get the same like praise either. No, because he wasn't in St. Louis. He wasn't home. He come he granted, and you I'm gonna just tell you right now, when he was in Los Angeles and he hit number seven hundred, I swear I thought it was a home game. Granted, right. Bush Stadium would have lost their shit. I agree. If he hit number seven hundred here. You know, at least he hit it there though. And the reason I say that, and I and I was telling some friends this the other day, if he wasn't gonna hit it at home, that was probably the best place to hit it because he had success there last year. And they honestly, they appreciated him when he was there last year. And it just, it did feel good to see how Dodger Stadium came alive for that. And, you know, I, I hate it for the fact that he didn't hit it at Bush. But, I mean, like I said, it's the lesser of two evils. At least he did not hit that in an Angels uniform. Because I swear to God, I would have thrown up. I would have been furious if he had hit it in an Angels uniform because it should – first of all, I don't think he would have gotten there if it was in an Angels uniform. I agree. I definitely don't think because I don't think with the lineup the Angels have, first off, they're mismanaged so badly. They wouldn't have Jesus. got him in enough at-bats. Second, yeah, second off, the way that their offense is so bad, he wouldn't have gotten the necessary at-bats to give it a shot. So I've got a number for you, okay? And I kind of touched on this earlier with just – that the Cardinals wouldn't be where they are without Albert Pujols this year. His OPS plus, which is on base plus slugging, the MLB average or the is 100. What do you think his number is? His OPS? His OPS plus. Is it like 800 or something? No, no. Well, oh, his, 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 his OPS is, like, is 852. Or is eight? Okay. 
The OPS so, plus, I don't know, 200? I am completely... I'm the, I guess, blank. I'm the saber magician here of the, of the yeah, show. Yeah, you're the saber magician when it comes to that. So the the average MLB player is 100. Right. Albert Pujols' OPS is 143. He is 43 points better than the average Major League Baseball player. Pujols, almost the almost his age difference too. Bingo. He's he does he did not start this season getting regular at bats. He was struggling early on, as you talked about, going back to August eighth, seven homers, twenty eight RBS. So he's better than if you want to get down to it, he's better than forty three percent of major league baseball hitters this year. And it's interesting. On top of that, yeah, you know, you, I mentioned the OPS where. His OPS this year, which is his worst year as a Cardinal, I is know it. better than his best year as an Angel. His best year as an Angel, his OPS was or is, um, yes, I think it, or something was eight six. It was eight fifty nine. Yep. And at one point this year, it was uh eight sixty. So. And, I, and at one point in time this year, earlier on, back when he was just fire, just as hot as you could be at the end of August, his his OPS was pushing 900. Nine freaking hundred. I mean, at his age, he shouldn't be doing this. But the man is, he's, he's just, he's an amazing, just an amazing ball player. And you'll never see one like him ever again. There will not be another player. We talked about this. I think it was last week or the week before. There's not another player that's going to get the 700 home runs. Just like you're not going to see another player get the 300 wins. And you're certainly not going to get to see another player or another battery get to what Wainwright and Yachty did. This has been certainly the best year, if not one of the most entertaining years record-setting years for the St. Louis Cardinals. And let me under and, and if you're watching this and, and you've been a baseball fan all your life, you will never dot 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 never see another season like this in MLB history ever again. Not with the changes that are coming down the pike, not with free agency, not with how players do the load management thing. You'll never see it again. Cherish it for what you got. You might see the record for the most wild pitches thrown. 343. No. Well, um, no. I, this is the thing. We were fortunate to be growing up in such a time when there were so many icons of the game, so many greats that will go down in history. Albert Pujols, and I've said this before, is the greatest player, in my opinion, of our generation. I don't think anybody stands up to him. I think if you want somebody that's second, I would go say Ken Griffey Jr. or Derek Jeter. Um, even you know, and if we you want to talk about, we could talk about the pitchers on there. You got your Randy Johnsons, um, you know your Roger, even Roger Clemens. You know, I know with all the shit he's done and whatnot, but he's no breath. Yeah, exactly. But at the end of the day, to me, the greatest player of our generation is Albert Pujols of the last 20, 25 years. We could argue. And I don't think it would be far-fetched. We could argue that he's the best player in Major League history. For what he's done, I mean, the numbers – so the numbers last night, they they did this comparison on Bally Sports, and I wish I had the numbers in front of me, and I meant to 
pull it up and I didn't. But they did the comparison with Willie Mays. And these numbers are ungodly comparable. And when you look at it, Willie Mays didn't see pitchers that threw 100 miles per hour. He didn't see pitchers that threw ungodly breaking stuff, whether it be sliders, curveballs, changeups, some of these, some with some of the spin rates. These guys, hell, we didn't even know what the hell spin rates were back then. But you're you're looking at it. You could argue, okay, so the three guys that have more home runs than Albert Pools, Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, and Babe Ruth. Okay, well, Babe Ruth. Play, they all played in such a different era. It, it just, and we can argue, Pujols to Bonds, Pujols did it clean. So, yeah, I just, it's hard to look at it that way. And we had this discussion with, with Sadie Blaze, what, three, four weeks ago, and cheap plug, he'll be on next week with us for part two of his interview. But you look at it, and we all said, well, it depends. You can comp compare it because of what generation you grew up in. You can take Pujols and look at his numbers, Jeremy, and I believe that they play in any decade, in any generation of Major League Baseball. And they really do. And Pujols, once again, one of the few players to have 600 home runs and 3,000 hits. Yep. And then you look at players with 700 home runs and 3,000 hits. <laughs> Which, in that regard, I believe is only him and uh, Hank Aaron. Um, You're correct. Barry Bonds, believe it or not, was, I believe, 2,943 hits. Good call. Very good. There. That's exactly what it is. Um, and Babe Ruth, I couldn't even remember. But at the same time, he got so many hits. <laughs> but nevertheless, you know, for Pools to be in such a lead company to where you look at it for the longest time. Everybody would tell you that Stan Musial was the greatest Cardinal of all time. Yep. And for a long time to come, people are still going to say that. And in my heart, I still believe that. But if somebody came up to me and said, well, in my opinion, and first off, it's in their opinion, Albert Pujols is the greatest Cardinal of all time. Maybe six or seven years ago, I would say no. Now? I wouldn't have an issue agreeing with them or at least saying, you know what? You got a great point because the first off, aside from the stuff regarding him leaving in 2011, people don't have a bad word to say about him. Nope. He's so charitable. He's so caring. He's given back to the community so many times. First off, whenever people started to call him El Hombre, that he told them not to call him that because it only belongs to Stan the man. Right. You know, so the friendship that he has with the late great Hall of Famer, you know, is, is second to none. And I just, you, you, you talk about how he stacks up with so many Hall of Famers, where he is among so many legends of the game, of the past. It, it just, I look at the all-century team from 1999. And yep. I would have just loved if he had played back then because he is a perfect fit for it. And I got one thing I want to add. Um, actually, you know what? I'm gonna let you go on, James, because um, I'm I'm looking one thing up that I know you would love to see. So you go ahead. Alrighty. Well, I mean, just in terms of like 
him leaving. And, th- and this is what I'll, I'll touch on. And, and of course, none of us wanted to see Albert leave St. Louis. Uh, but without Albert Pujols, you probably don't and aren't able to, to retain Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright when it comes to contract talks. You don't get the compensatory pick, which actually turned into Michael Waka. And for the longest time, everybody thought Waka was going to be Wainwright's, you know, protege, that he was going to be the, the next guy that kind of Wainwright handled the, handed the torch to. So it's it's weird to look at. Nobody wanted Pools to leave. And I remember when it was Pools is going to the Marlins and Pools is going to the Cubs and Pools is going here, there and everywhere. Look, if you could honestly sit whoever, wherever you're watching this and say that you would have given up the opportunity to get a contract. And at this point in time, $225 million is what he was offered. Let's fast forward. I'm curious because Aaron Judge is fixing to hit the market. He's going to get paid, like with a capital P. If if Albert Pujols in 2023 was the age of Aaron Judge or coming off that 2011 year where he won the World Series and he was going into free agency and still had all of this production, he would be your first $500 million player. So I, I nobody wanted to see him leave. But he he goes to Anaheim. He gets the ten year personal services contract, which I believe is Nolan Boyd now. Uh, so when he retires, he's he's free to do whatever he wants. I just the Angels mismanaged him. Joe Madden, who was was promptly hailed as the savior in Chicago after winning a World Series with the Cubs in 2015, mismanaged him. And we see now that Joe Madden was just a nightmare for that Angels organization. Yeah. But you know, I'm. It's hard to encapsulate by just even talking about what Albert Pujols has done in his career. Obviously, what he's meant to the city of St. Louis. You talk about the charitable uh, acts and the Albert Pujols Foundation, which he has been unbelievable to the the community of people and children that suffer from uh, Down syndrome. Uh, him and his wife uh, and I. You know, they they adopted children with Down syndrome. He, he's he's been just he is he is one of the few and will be one of the few Hall of Famers that everything about the man has been just absolutely amazing. Charitable charitable, he's a top humanitarian, he's gonna be a major league hall of famer. There's never been a scandal around him, there's never been any kind of Balco or steroids or anything. And if that day ever comes, I'll cry because I, I won't know how to react to it. But you can't possibly, you could not build on MLB The Show a better athlete in person than Albert Pujols. And, you know, I absolutely agree. You know, him and to me, him and Ken Griffey Jr. are the two players that. It was ever found out either of them took steroids or anything. And I obviously don't believe they have. Right. Uh, can't tell that to Max Kellerman, though. But um, it would be absolutely heartbreaking. But Because these are two of the most pure hitters in the history of the game and two of the greatest athletes in the history of sports. But this is the picture I wanted to um, show. Uh, yep, I mean, I just that. look at that. That is friendship at its finest. The Look how young Albert looks. Exactly that too. But the amount of respect that these two had for each other, um, and you'll see, and you can find pictures of like Pujols after Musial won the Presidential Medal of Freedom, yep. uh, greeting Musial, and just 
the amount of love shared between these guys. That's what I love about St. Louis as well when it comes to baseball. It, it's not just a sport. It's a way of life. Right. I mean, it's the culture. With, it's the culture. When these players, these retired legends, then they go around. I mean, when they inducted Julian Javier into the Cardinals Hall of Fame uh, a few weeks ago, you know, yep. a whole lot of people – It'd be hard-pressed. I'm fortunate that I know him well enough, you know, just from being a sportsaholic and a card collector. Um, But a lot of these younger generations wouldn't know him. But then he shows up at this event, and he gets this huge ovation, and everyone's, like, showing them the respect. And it's like, here's a man who hasn't played for the organization in 50 years, and, you know, he's still remembered so fondly. So that's, guys, guys like Matt Holiday and guys like, and like Matt Holiday, who had one of the best farewells in oh my god, yes, in Cardinal history. The home run, yeah, the, the opposite field home run. The I remember, I think it was his last game where he was taken out of, from the outfield and given the big yep. ovation and everything. Because I'm pretty sure I was at that one. I was fortunate and just, enough. And after he hit the home run, like tears running down his cheeks as he's going back in, and the crowd wanting a curtain call. Look. Folks, you got to understand, and, and like I grew up in St. Louis. I, I lived there for 13 years. My heart still belongs to, to St. Louis. And if it's weird, and it's it's more so with baseball than any other sport. Now, the Blues, when they won their Stanley Cup, very similar. But baseball, it goes back again, Jeremy. I can't reiterate this enough. How can you not be romantic about baseball? I mean, just you could be a Miles fan. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the holiday, the holiday home run, the farewell there. You know, just Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright. Like, there is a magic around this organization that maybe is only topped by the magic of the New York Yankee organization. But in St. Louis, it's different. There's this. Baseball in St. Louis brings people together that no other no other thing in the world can. There's a mutual love for the Cardinals and just it's almost like that it's weird. It, it's a it's a weird bond that you know David Freeze and guys like Jason Mott and Alan Craig and Albert Pools and Scott Rowland and, and Jim Edmonds and Ozzy Smith and Bob Gibson and Lou Brock and, you know, Dizzy Dean. And you go back and you go further, further, further. Uh, you know, when you look at the Cardinals as a whole, and like I'm sitting here like getting goosebumps thinking about it, but all of the wonderful moments that pulls 2011, the three home run game in Texas where the Cardinals yes. just breaks off the Rangers 18 to 7. You go back and you look at it or being down to your your final strike twice, you know, and Lance Berkman coming through with a base hit. And, you know, maybe we need to send a Christmas card to Nelson Cruz and thank him for misplaying David Freeze's triple in the ninth. I remember that because, like, so, you know, just going back to that moment, and I had just had big-time knee surgery and the home run and me jumping up and down and, you know, dad going, well, I bet that knee feels good now, doesn't it? You just all the memories. And it's almost like 
there's a nostalgia. Like, I, I don't know if you've ever had this happen, Jeremy. And I know I'm rambling and I apologize. But if you've ever stepped outside and you get like, you smell something, or you get a certain feeling and it just causes memories to rush back. That's really, yeah. what, that's really what being a baseball fan in St. Louis is about. And unless you've experienced, well, you have no clue what heaven feels like. And Aaron Judge just hit number 61. There it is. Aaron Judge has just made history, ladies and gentlemen. So Aaron, oh man, just... And it's unbelievable I, to think about. Like as I was rambling on about baseball being romantic, there you go. Six number sixty one for ninety nine. Yeah. Um. So, I'll I'll take it. That and he's tied the AL record for home runs in a season with the great Roger Maris, with the late great one. And you know, and I look at and I look at this quickly. You know when I. We've said it before that we don't think anybody will hit 700 home runs ever again. So with that, this is basically what the 700 club looks like. Oh, <laughs> wrong one. Pat Roberts. <laughs> wrong one. Hang on. There we go. There's the <laughs> 700 club. <laughs> my man. Oh, my There's goodness. There's the one. My okay. man. I knew something looked off. Okay. So. Yes, Babe Ruth, Albert Pujols, Barry Bonds. Wow. What a bomb. And I can't wait after the show to take a look at how far he hit that home run. I mean, Aaron Judge has one of the just unbelievable swings in baseball today. He got out in a hurry. That's Well, that's the thing. The exit velocity on his home runs is just out of this, no pun intended, but out of this world. You know what, what, though? This is the thing. This is where the whole sports contracts – are going to really get messed up. Oh, man. Because you know the amount – I look at it quickly with, like, the NFL. Oh. Look at Lamar Jackson and how he took a bet on himself, and it's paying off. Look right. at Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is one home run away from making history. He's Can, tied it, but now he's making history. Let me interrupt you just real quick. So – this ball hit in Toronto. You know how their field is set up where they've got the the stands are up a little bit. You've got the railing, and then the wall comes down. Right. The guy had 61 in his glove, and he dropped it. The dude, just lo- the dude just dropped a million-dollar lottery ticket, Jeremy. Oh, well, my God. I mean, wait, wait, I'm hearing from my sources it was uh, Zach Ample, so I don't care. Uh <laughs> I'm just glad he didn't catch pools to 700. Yeah, I, I did hear the guy that caught it, though, doesn't tend to keep it, which, you know, Pujols says he doesn't mind. And yeah. honestly, if Pujols says he doesn't mind, then everybody needs to just drop it and let it go. So the Okay, so the the barrel rate for Aaron Judge was 100. It was off Tim Mesa. It was off the bat at 117.4 miles per hour. In 22 degrees, and it went three. It went 394 feet. This thing you could have hung laundry on, Jeremy. Oh my gosh! No wonder he didn't catch it. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Are we sure there's not a hole in the glove? Yeah. Like after he dropped it, because that's the thing, man. Like the amount, the end, the velocity of these home runs that are hit, and how fast they're coming right at you. No, thank you. Can I ask Can you I a question? Say, all right, go ahead. So I had this conversation last night. You catch number seven hundred. What do you do with it? Uh, if now if, be honest, because I'll be okay. honest with you whenever I tell you. This is what I'll, I'll say. 
I had actually thought, just like by random chance, because my parents and I are going to the last, the second to last home game of the year. Okay. So just say if that game, Pujols hit number 700, and I okay. somehow got it. All right. Um, I'd probably have broken my hand because I don't, I won't have a glove for it. But would I ever, would I ever see you again? Yes, you would. Okay. You would see me. The you would see me next Wednesday night. That's what you would do. Okay. Um, okay. okay. I'd have a cast maybe, but no. <laughs> if this I look at it, I would have I would have loved to me like a picture or something with Albert Pools and I'd give him the ball back. You know, like that's the thing. And now say he and say he requested the ball back. Yeah, I'd give it to him. I mean it's not this isn't something you should hold for ransom. For a bunch of money, this is this. You know, there is it's a lot of sentimental value. Now, thankfully, pool holes is kind enough to where it's not, you know, a huge deal to him. Other players, not so much. Um, what would you do? Okay, so before I tell you what I would do, I was looking, and yesterday was the anniversary of the guy who caught McGuire's record-setting home run, oh, and yeah, McGuire, like. The guy wanted to give him the ball and meet him, and McGuire turned him down. And, of course, three years later, he sells it for $3.5 million. Um, so I would – I'd have no problem offering Pools the ball back, but I'd want, like, 10 signed ones. I mean, yeah, that's a good that's a good trade. Because I'm sitting there thinking, I'll give you the record-setting one back, but I want your autograph so I can sell the other 10. <laughs> look, I'm, look, I'm an entrepreneur. Come on. I told you I was going to be honest. It's hard to take an umpire seriously as an entrepreneur. <laughs> oh, you son of a! Mm. <laughs> I mean, you son of a biscuit maker. That's not funny. Wow. I, I think so. I had to. Just wow. No. Bye. You eject you. Wow. Okay. No, I, no but I, I, and I do actually like that. Um, it, it is something you know. I I would like you know an autograph, but I would definitely want a picture because that's something that you can definitely cherish forever. Well, and, and look, the thing is, is behind me. I mean, sign bats, sign balls. There's, I've got memorabilia. There's memorabilia down here. Yeah. And, you know, like, I mean, whether it's Yankees or Cardinals or Cubs or hell, the, the Anaheim Angels of the Universe of Los Angeles, whatever the hell they are. Mighty you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, runnings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But I mean, when you look at it, it's the the way Pools handled it. He's like, you know, it's like if he wants to keep it, it's no big deal. And you know, Pools had made the comment like earlier in the week, like, "Hey, look, you know, that's fine. You know, I'm not chasing numbers." And you know, maybe he, I mean, Pools just wants to win. But the fact that he was able to get there and can do and win all at the same time, I you know, there's just not many guys like him and. You're right. I just wonder how <laughs> I wonder, you know, just in terms of like Aaron Judge, if I mean, he's obviously going to get that ball back because nobody caught it, which is best case scenario for him because he didn't have to give anything up to get it. But, you know, guys like McGuire, who was kind of standoffish with the media because he just got tired of the media coverage. What the hell do you expect? I mean, you're chasing a record that had stood forever. But, exactly. you know, I don't know. I yeah, I saw that. I'll I'm not gonna I'll just I'll plead the fifth here and walk away from it. But so kind of like how McGuire did until he admitted everything. 
Yeah, yeah. Or he'd be like Rafael Palmeiro and point and go, I did not take steroids. Yeah, sure you did. I think Rafael Palmeiro is just even – quick side note, it's just an even worse example of the whole thing because he got in trouble so many times. I know. And you know what? This he, His was the worst case of an I didn't do it, but you know he did it. I, I think his might be the worst because it, it was so – I don't know. Barry Bonds is pretty bad too. What was the deer antler sprayer? <laughs> okay. Maybe well, then you look at the, I think Barry Bonds is also the only guy to hit 500 home runs and steal 500 bases. Yep. Which yeah, there see, but that's the, the interesting thing about Bonds. Uh, there's two phases to his career. The fast nimble base stealing one and then the jacked Straight up, just power home runs out of McCovey, like, into like McCovey Cove home runs. Fifteen pound head, you know, yeah, like size nine cap. Yeah, how, my like favorite literally. thing though was that how he wasn't since he wasn't part of the players' association, he was not in like licensed games. Oh. So, so in MVP baseball two thousand four, his what was his name? Uh, JT yeah. Snow. Yes. It was a white dude named J.T. Snow with all the attributes. No, no, no. J.T. Snow is an actual player, remember? He was the first baseman for the Giants. Well, then what the hell was that guy's name? I don't know, but I mean, okay. the guy was, the guy was, the guy was black and he was huge, but I can't remember what they called him. I'm gonna That's look, what, now I got to look this up. What Google's um, for, right? Exactly. Gosh well, darn it. Now this is now it's gonna be stuck in my mind. This is hilarious. Do you remember like on the early like let's see? Oh John Dowd. John Dow. Okay. Yep. John Dowd. I was like, it's just JT Snow, John Dowd, yeah, well, whatever. You remember for the longest time, like Bill Belichick and Tom Brady weren't in football games too. Well, Brady was always in the football games. I thought was, I thought he was just number twelve. Well, close enough. Like they no, never put his name. I there. know uh, Belichick's not in the in, ever in these games because he just he's, said uh, he's not just part said, of the association. New England right, head coach. Just be any coach. Yeah. Well, same with uh, Bill Parcells. He was Dallas mm. head coach. Forgot about that. See, this is folks where this is the best part about live shows and where our ADHDs come in because now we're, we we went from talking about our pool seven hundred home run <laughs> all the way to the New England head coach in Madden two thousand seven. So that, but at the end of the day, this Cardinal Speak, season. Speaking been, of Madden, have you had the problem where you throw too many damn interceptions? Yes. Oh my God! I threw fifty in the face of franchise. My, my friend, my dear friend, uh, has had that same issue where he would hardly ever throw an interception in the past. Now it's like every game he throws like four picks. Dude, um, so. in the face of the franchise game against the Cardinals last night, I threw ten interceptions. Damn. Ten, ten. I, know, I looked no like was that bad. I uh, looked. Like, like a mix between Sam Bradford and Nick Foles for the St. Louis Rams. Oh gosh. Well, nevertheless, I, I yeah, want to say this. So back to the whole. We're gonna really turn it back to the whole Cardinals season. This is going down as one of the greatest of all time for the franchise and their story career. We've we talked about how many times they have made the playoffs. 
since the turn of the millennium, because there's only been a handful of seasons where they've missed it. They have the third most playoff appearances all time in the history of baseball. Behind? Behind the New York Yankees with 58. And then the Dodgers, and we say that because it was Brooklyn and Los Angeles with 36. Then we got 32. Um, And then there's the Pittsburgh Pirates all the way down there with three. No. Um, (laughs) It just amazes me. And... Yes, I will give you credit where credit is due on the whole on your whole segment with about John Mosellock mm-hmm. because it's not all because of him, and I know you've made that clear, but Mo is my hero. I'm gonna dress up like the bow tie for Halloween. Oh jeez, oh gosh, if you dress up as John Mosellock. I mm, I don't know who I would dress up as for this. The only thing I don't have is the the only thing I don't have is the hair, but I will. I'll get a bow tie and everything else. Look at this Jags history on here, boy. He he goes starts trying to say now he's taking shots at me on on about Madden. Like no, I look James like James Winston. Hey, well, real quick, real quick, and I don't mean to jump the track here, but he mentioned Jameis Winston. How come Jameis Winston and him stealing crab legs from Publix got more publicity and more flack? than this Brett Favre shit we talked about last week? You know, I mean, I know the reason, but obviously... I do too, but we can't say that. about it if I say it. I, um, Shannon okay. Sharp said it. Page. Shannon Sharp said it, and I, know he he, I 100% agree with it. Nevertheless, I will say what? this. One more thing about Brett the damn place. You know what? We're going to have the new Favre. We're going to have to have a, like a Favre tracker on the show. We are in week two, and Brett Favre still has not paid back all the money. <laughs> Um, I need to fire him into the damn sun. Exactly. Uh, I mean, if, if we if we threw Brett Favre in the sun, Venus would probably pick him off. Um, <laughs> it was a good one. Uh, so uh, we, we're going to wrap it up with a little bit of consistency, folks, because we've just run the gamut after talking about Albert's 700th home run. We talked about my fault. different other things. My and, bad. And that's okay because it's good to cover out. Now, I will say next week, Sadie Blaze is going to be on, and we recommend going back on our YouTube channel and looking at the first part of our interview with him, A Blaze of Glory, which I'm telling you, fun time. If there's one guy that knows and loves baseball more than us, it is 100% Sadie. Um, The same goes when it comes to professional wrestling. Having him on next week is going to be – Phenomenal. I, I think it'll be great to have him on right before the Major League Baseball playoffs start, too. I think exactly. that'll be a we're real fun talking, show. We're going to be talking about playoffs. Um, playoffs? Like, Sorry. We're talking about, we're, we're talking <laughs> about practice. Um, we're talking about practice, man. We're Just practice. Game. So there's a lot to talk about. Um, with that, honestly, I we are going to wrap it up this evening, I will say, <laughs> because otherwise James is going to be talking about stuff that isn't even sports, and then I don't know what we're going to do with that. Man. Uh, I'm just here so I don't get fined. No, exactly. And yeah, yeah. I don't got the money to find you. So <laughs> anyway, I will say, folks, it has been an absolute pleasure being on uh, this week. And we thank you so much for tuning in. And James, as always, it's great having you alongside to entertain and honestly to bring sabermetrics into podcasting. You know what's funny about that? I hate sabermetrics. 
Yeah, I know you do, which is why I find it funny that you're the guy <laughs> with it. Well, I only use them when they help prove my point. <laughs> I don't because I can prove a point without using sabermetrics. That's my thing. Well, you know. I I don't need funny. sabermetrics to prove that Cy Young's got 511 wins and that'll never be beaten. Well, here's I the thing. Proof on the- when we get into the Major League Baseball playoffs, like – and you see pitchers that are taken out before the third time through a, a lineup, you're going to see me go off on sabermetrics. It's funny. But I think just like everything else in sports, everything is situational. You can use them at times, but I also use the eye test. And if it looks good, then it must be good. You know, there's no use in – I mean, go back to Blake Snell in the World Series against the Dodgers and how they took him out and they lost the game. Pretty much. So – but yeah, I've I've always got something up my sleeve, even though I'm not wearing any sleeves. Exactly, which is why which is why uh, it comes out of the sleeve faster because the short sleeves. Yeah, of course. So, folks, first I want to say you can also you can find us on Roundabout Sports on our official Facebook page. Uh, also, find us on Interstate Seventy Sports Media. You can find us on Twitter with Interstate Seventy Sports Media, as well as both James and I. And you can find the Interstate 70 Sports Media official YouTube channel. Before we wrap it up, I always do want to put this out there that, you know, James and I care a lot about a lot of issues in the world that don't get enough attention. And one of those is mental health and mental health issues. And one of them, one of we have a lot of highlights that we put on the show, and one of them is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Um and we have the hotline here, and it's open 24-7, so and once it pops back up, it's you just call the NAMI hotline or helpline at 1-800-950-NAMI. So that's 1-800-950-NAMI. And also we have the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Now, originally, this used to be a long number, but um, now it's thankfully just three numbers. You just dial 988. It's open 24-7, 365, 366 on leap years. Um, and I, I started having this on here after every show after last year when um, a female wrestler had passed away. Um, she had taken her own life, and she felt alone in this world and that nobody was there. Um, and... I want to reiterate the point that nobody is ever alone. You're not alone out there. There's always somebody that cares about you and you're always loved. It's just finding that right person to talk to and reach out to. And I know it's hard. I really do. I've, we've both been down that road many times. Um, and And we're not saying it's, and we're not saying it's easy. So, but this lifeline, this crisis line is always open to talk to somebody. Um, and I just want to thank you all so much for tuning in this evening for another edition of Roundabout Sports. Be sure to join us next week when we have Sadie Blaze on. He's a great guy, and it's going to be one hell of an interview. So with that, I'm the Maestro Jeremy Carp. He's Hollywood James Knox. And remember, life is a book full of empty pages just waiting to be written in. Make your lives worth reading.